0: Can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? The answer is yes, by the way, and yes is what we're going to teach, and yes is what we're going to encourage, and we want to pray for people afterwards, so whether you've been filled with the Spirit 50 times, 50,000 times, or you've never kind of come across anything like this or that kind of teaching, we'd love to pray with you, so it's, that's what we're going to do today. And I think my story might just help kind of, if you've got kind of questions in and around, well, was it, is it when we're converted that we get filled with the Spirit? Or is it a second later date where we have a baptism and it's like a Pentecost experience and I'm still waiting for it? I think my story might help a little bit. So I'll just kind of set out my story. It's a little bit of my testimony, really. And you might go, oh, your testimony is really boring because you were brought up in church. But actually, for something like, can I be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's incredibly relevant so everybody's story has a time and a place, doesn't it? But I grew up great Christian home. My parents are wonderful. Most of you met them. They're good at embarrassing me. Um, church attendance was mandatory. So it wasn't like my mum and dad said, yeah, you've got an option of coming to church. It was, you will be at church or we will kick your behind so hard you will be hurting all week. Now, not in an abusive way, just to say just in case you report them. Um, But more, it was kind of, you've got to be at church. This is what we do as a family. You will be there. And every Sunday morning was a massive battle. Both my younger brothers loved it. I was like a bit less keen. I would rather stay in bed. I would rather play computer games. I would rather play football. I would rather play rugby. In fact, I would rather do anything instead of going to church. And that was kind of me from, I would say, eight, nine years old through to the time I was 16. And as you get a teenager and kind of hormones kick in, you get more and more aggressive and more and more mardy. So I would stay up later on a Saturday night just so I was more tired, just so I could use the excuse of, oh, I'm really tired today. I can't go to church. But obviously it never worked. And they kept hammering me and I kept going. And this carried on for a number of years. And for me, church was a bit, it felt a bit irrelevant for a young person. It wasn't the teaching seemed a bit irrelevant, it was a bit over my head, it was a bit dusty, it was all a bit religious really. And I'm thankful for it, but it just was irrelevant for me. But both my brothers, younger brothers, seemed to have something in their kind of soul, something in their heart that I could see that just was other. It wasn't just about going to church for them, but for me it was just kind of attending. And to be honest, I saw that passion and thought, oh great, but I didn't have any. And my response to church and the Holy Spirit and God was just, yeah. I just kind of shrug my shoulders. And you know what I've learned from that experience is we cannot afford to just shrug our shoulders over the gospel message or shrug our shoulders about whether we're filled with the Spirit or not. To go, oh, I've not been filled with the Spirit. That's not an option. That's not what we see in the New Testament. You know, I've learned the hard way in that I had those number of years where I was just missing out, really. And may maybe people here this morning think, oh, well, I've not encountered this before. And that's okay. It's in the past, but we can put it right going forward, can't we? And then, at, so I was a Christian. I want to say that. I was definitely a Christian, even though I was a bit disillusioned, even though I didn't necessarily want to be there. I believed in God. I read my Bible. I prayed. I believed Jesus had died for me. I believed the gospel was true. I was a Christian. But there was just no passion, no fire, nothing extra. At school, I probably didn't look like a Christian. You know, I do the things that stupid boys do. Now, I wasn't going out getting hammered because I had a nice, good Christian upbringing and they pointed me in the right direction. But I would shout abuse at people. I would be like a white van man, but a teenage boy, but without the white van. (laughs) And when there's a group of lads, you just encourage each other and you just get worse. You know, I didn't look like the model Christian. Then on a Sunday or on a weekend, I would suddenly become this lovely, godly young man that everybody thought was wonderful. But in the week, it was a completely different story. And then at 16, so 16 years old, I've been going to this church since I was four and being probably disillusioned since I was kind of eight or nine. And at 16, a new minister came and he started to talk about the Holy Spirit, something that had not been spoken on before. You know, I've been in churches like that sometimes and it's just almost a taboo subject. Something that oh, we, we don't talk about that. But he started to talk about God, the Holy Spirit. And I cannot describe to you, but a, a moment in time, and it wasn't a woozy feeling, it wasn't anything like that, but there was just a realisation in my heart of who God was and who I was before him, and it changed my life. Now, when I was converted, it changed my life, but this experience too has changed my life. And every day since has been a days of asking God to fill my heart, of knowing the power of God, the Holy Spirit, from that first time at 16 years old so I go on and get baptized and you know what it was for you know what I believe we're filled with the spirit is to serve God to do his work and often they, it happens at moments of significance which I'll talk about in a little bit but sometimes it happens to be able to just do the Christian walk how hard is it to be a Christian in the world Incredibly difficult at work, incredibly difficult at home, incredibly difficult when you see, you know, society saying, well, this is, I'm amazed that that euthanasia bill didn't go through. You know, it's going to go through in the next 10, 15 years, you know. It's just the world that we live in, it will go through eventually because that's the way the world is going. It's very hard to be a Christian. We need God the Holy Spirit, don't we? If we want to be effective witnesses, if we want to be as people, we need God the Holy Spirit. He is not an optional extra for Christians. He's fundamental to the gospel. If we're not encountering God, the Holy Spirit, we're not getting the full gospel story, actually. (laughs) You know, people say, well, this is the gospel without the Holy Spirit. It's not. It's not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, and Spirit. And the Bible, obviously, is God's story and brings life where there is death to us. But that moment, I was empowered to do his work, serving, and it changed my life. So the question that I've wrestled with a little bit, and the question you might be thinking was, well, where was the Spirit before? that moment at 16, or was I really a Christian before that moment when I was 16 and I had this encounter? Hopefully I'll answer those. There's lots of different views that might confuse us when we come to being filled with the Holy Spirit, whether they're classic Pentecostal views, third wave evangelical views, there's all sorts of things. I'm not gonna bore you with the different kind of theological views, because actually all of them, I think, come to the same point of, the most important thing is that we're hungry for more of God whether we believe it's a second experience that is distinct from the first or not, ultimately, it's probably by the by. The point of it is that we're hungry, that we want to be filled with the Spirit, that we want to have the power of God in our lives to be able to do His work. So I want to kind of look at a few things to do with that, and I'll answer a couple of those questions as we go. But the first thing I want to say is that the moment you are converted, every believer... Has the Holy Spirit in their heart. So if I'm eight or nine years old, the Holy Spirit comes into my heart. It wasn't at 16, was my, you know, the first moment that I might have experienced that or felt something or appreciated something different, but the Spirit of God was already there. The moment we believe, the moment we're saved, 1 Corinthians 12 13 is a really important verse for this whole debate and this whole conversation. It comes in the midst of Paul instructing a church that is in chaos, really, the Corinthian church. They're a bit nutty. They're a bit out there. They do some crazy things. And Paul's just trying to give some biblical kind of teaching into, well, here's the spiritual gifts. Use them. Fantastic. Use prophecy. Use tongues. We want to encourage that, but use them biblically. And that's what you get in in 12 through 14. And a part of that, he talks about the role of the spirit, and then he talks about the church You'll see that in 1 Corinthians 12. He moves from talking about the gifts of the Spirit to talking about how we're one body. It's in the same passage. It's the same logical argument. And basically, that's the link. The Spirit is for the church. We're given God the Holy Spirit, not so that we have an individualistic experience, but we're given the Spirit so that we can bless others, so that we can have an impact upon our nation and our community. It's a corporate thing. Our filling the Spirit is both a Godward thing in that it's to do with glorifying God and knowing Him, but it's also manward. You know, what was going on in my brother's hearts at that time, it was something that showed me something of who Jesus was. The Spirit was at work, and it was something that was attractive, something that I wanted. You know, I see people, and you might have this experience, you just see me go, wow, that person's incredibly godly. Wow, I'd love for my walk with Jesus to look a little bit like that. It's not that they're special. Well, they might be special to you. But it's that the Spirit of God is upon them. You know, people that have got incredible faith. It's a gift of God. And the Spirit of God is working upon them. This is 12.13 from 1 Corinthians. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink of the one Spirit. What Paul is saying is that no matter where you're from, whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Greek, Whether you're neither of those, whatever your race is, whatever your sex is, whatever your social status is, we're all baptized by the Holy Spirit. Baptism is a picture, isn't it? When people get baptised and they go under the water and they come back up again, it's symbolic. It's not that the water is magic, but it's, it's imagery that they're being immersed, they're being cleaned, they're being made right, and as they come up, they've raised from death into new life. And that's the imagery here when he says, we're all baptised into the one family. We're all saved the same way. We're all cleaned up the same way. No matter where we come from, what we've been doing, we're all brought in together. And it's the Holy Spirit that does that work upon our hearts. The Holy Spirit that regenerates us, that makes us new. It's the out, baptism is an outward picture, isn't it, of something that's going on in our hearts. That's what we say when we baptize people. And so Paul uses that metaphor. He's basically saying this is how we get right. When we repent of sin, when we trust in Jesus as our saviour, we're made right. And in doing that, no matter where we've come from, the Spirit of God gives us a new family. The Spirit of God unites us together like never before, and we become the church. So in a nutshell, what he's saying is the moment we trust in Jesus for salvation, the moment we turn around, the moment we repent of our sin and we trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God comes upon us and makes us new and brings us into a new family, the church. Other verses from Romans 8. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. And there's loads. I could read the whole chapter, but I'm not going to. I'm just going to read part of it. This is from verse 8. It says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. What he means is, uh, flesh means our sinful nature. So, you know, those who are unrepentant, those who aren't trusting Jesus for salvation, can't please God. You, however, are not in the flesh... So you're not that way anymore. You're in the Spirit. You're a different kind of person. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, so Paul's asking that kind of rhetorical question, saying, if, in fact, you're truly saved, then, of course, the Spirit of God is within you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is alive because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who, I love this verse, if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Do you get that? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, when we trust in Jesus, comes into our life. That's a good time to say amen. We'll get used to that. It's amazing, isn't it? I think that's phenomenal. That the same power that raised Jesus from the dead comes into our hearts. Us messy, messed up, crooked, broken people. The same spirit. And he says, if we have the spirit, we belong to Jesus. So I think the Bible's really clear. The moment we're converted, the spirit of God comes into our hearts because it takes the spirit of God to make us new. We can't be saved apart from the spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all involved. That's why we're Trinitarian. Not only because they exist, but they all have a distinct role to play in our salvation and in the whole of life. That's why we pray to all of them. We pray to Father, we pray to Son, we pray to Spirit on different times and on different occasions. Just a few verses later, Paul says this, you didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons or daughters by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. That's what happens. We become the children of God because the Spirit of God is upon our hearts. And those without it, well, they're not Christians in one sense. That doesn't mean it's those that have an experience versus those that don't. If we trust in Jesus, we have the Spirit of God within us. You know, otherwise, you know what you end up with? You end up with two tiers of Christians, and it's just not a biblical precedent for that. You end up with those that we'd say have had this super experience and they have the spirit and then those that don't. And you know what that leads to? It leads to people who teach wrongly, I think. Well, I know wrongly that you're only a Christian if you speak in tongues. Now, that's where that kind of teaching comes from. That's not true. We don't believe that. You can be a Christian and not speak in tongues. But as a Christian, I would encourage you that, to ask to speak in tongues. <laughs> It's something that Paul encourages us to do in Corinthians. He says, Ask for the gifts of the Spirit. Ask to be filled with the Spirit. Be hungry for more of me. And pray. we've talked about tongues previously in one of the first weeks we actually met as a church. But it's a Godward language. Uh, the words of our heart, if you like, resonating with the Spirit and speaking to God. If we don't speak tongues, you are not a second rate Christian. Let me just say that. Some people will teach that wrongly. You are not a second-rate Christian. If you haven't had one of these experiences that I'm talking about, whether it be a Pentecost experience, whether it be a road to Damascus experience, you are not a second-rate Christian. We are all baptized into the same body. We are all baptized by the same spirit. But that being said, there is so much more for us as God's people. We should be incredibly hungry for more of him. So what was it I experienced at 16, which is this question, can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? I was saved before then, but what was it that I experienced? It was an encounter with God in a tangible way that has changed my life. You know, without that, would I be here today? No. Would I have been set on the journey to do ministry without being filled with the Spirit? No. God intercepts and uh, changes the course of our path sometimes in order that we do his will. Even when we're kind of languishing, even when we're feeling it's all a bit irrelevant, God by his spirit can break in with his presence. The famous example from scripture, if you think of people being filled with the spirit, is probably Pentecost, right? That's probably the one that goes into your mind. Acts chapter 2, the disciples gather in the upper room and Jesus has said, go to Jerusalem and wait and I will pour out my spirit upon you and the spirit will come upon you in power. And it does and tongues like fire appear above their heads and they start speaking in languages that they don't know and the result is that 3,000 people give their lives to Jesus. It's amazing. What would Chesterfield, what would Redeemer King look like if 3,000 people came in and gave their lives to Jesus? Struggle to know everybody's name, that would be the first thing. Struggle to know everybody's name, let alone 3,000. But they're told to wait. The problem we have is, a lot of the time we go, I'm waiting for my Pentecost experience. I'm waiting for tongues like fire. So I'm going to buy an upper room so that I can just sit and wait and wait for the tongues like fire to appear upon my head. Now, God could do that if he wanted to. But I also want to say that Pentecost was a unique time and a unique experience. These disciples, Jesus had just left them, the one who they spent three years with. And you've got people like Peter who were like denying him, people like uh, John who were just a bit lost. And then the Spirit of God comes upon them and the church just explodes. The Spirit was poured out in order that the church would explode, in order that the gospel would be proclaimed. And I think actually sometimes we can limit God by saying, I'm waiting for my Pentecost experience. What happens if God wants to minister by his Holy Spirit to us in a different way? If he doesn't want to put tongues like fire above our heads, but he wants to give us peace. Or he wants us to uh, just be so caught up in him in a different way that we'd be comforted. Or he wants to give us great faith. What we have to do as people is just say, I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to know you more. I'm not entirely sure what that's going to look like. And you know what, that's okay, (laughs) to not entirely know. It's not necessarily going to be a Pentecost experience. But Paul, in Ephesians 5, this is what he says in Ephesians 5. He mentions being filled with the Spirit. He says this to uh, the church in Ephesus. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melodies for the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Paul is saying there in a nutshell is he wants us as Christians to be so dissatisfied with the world that we wouldn't look at what the world offers and find our satisfaction in it, but he wants us to be dissatisfied with what the world offers. He wants us to watch how we walk, look how we live, because the days that we live in are evil. That's apparent, isn't it, when you look at the refugee crisis, when you look at what's going on in the world. The days that we live in are definitely evil. It hasn't changed. The Bible is still completely relevant for us today. And he says, what the world needs is spirit-filled christians that's what the world needs that's what paul says here he says look how you work walk instead of getting drunk with wine be filled with the spirit that's what the world needs isn't it it doesn't need religious pomp and religious ceremony it needs spirit-filled believers people that are going to take risks for jesus people that are going to speak out into the darkness people that are going to lay hands on the sick and they're going to be healed not because we're skilled in any way but because god is That's what the world needs, isn't it? It needs spirit filled Christians. And what we want as a church, as Redeemer King, is for us to be so dissatisfied with our Western Christian experience and the coldness, because it's so cold and so routine of just religion in the West, isn't it? If you compare it to the church in Africa, you compare it to the church in Asia that actually our dissatisfaction with religion and all that's associated with it would spark a passion in our hearts, would spark something here, a thirst for God, a hunger for more of him, that we wouldn't be satisfied with an experience we had five years ago, but we'd want more of Jesus today, that we'd want to be used by his spirit today, that we'd be so disillusioned with religion that we'd have a hunger and a passion for God. You see, that's the difference between people who are being filled with the Spirit and people who aren't. That's all I believe it is. I don't believe it's that they're super Christians or that they're amazing people. They might be. But I think it's that they're hungry. I think it's they want more of God. And a lot of the time, we're just a bit lethargic about it. We're just a bit meh. But if we were hungry... If we were to pursue God, if every day we woke and we said, God, fill me with your spirit today, empower me with your Holy Spirit, I reckon we'd be amazed at what we'd see God do. Don't you? Because I think that's a prayer that God loves to answer, that he loves to bless his people with his spirit. So even if we've had 50 experiences or zero, it's about having a hunger. And that can be put right today, can't it? Those who ask, receive. Paul says in verse 18, don't get drunk. Wine, some of you will be really, really wish this was the case in the UK. Wine was the staple drink in the Mediterranean. <laughs> some of you wish it was the staple drink in the UK. It's water, it's good for you. Drink more of it. But they used to drink wine a lot. And Paul recognized that and so uses it as an example. And so he throws the negative in. He says, look guys, stop getting wasted. Stop getting hammered. It doesn't do any good for your witness. And instead of that, be filled with the Spirit. Now, he's not equating being filled with the Spirit to looking like you're drunk. That's not what he's doing there at all. What he's saying is, you're getting wasted. Your mind, your body is being controlled. Your life is being controlled by something. And you have no self-control. You don't know what you're doing. You're a mess. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And instead of debauchery, and instead of being hammered and not knowing where you were or where you're waking up, it will lead to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. It will lead to the fruit of the Spirit will be birthed in you, that you would know peace in your life, that you would know joy in your life, that you would know love in your life. That's a lot better than just having a hangover, isn't it? A day after the night before because you had a little bit too much to drink instead pursue God instead pursue the things of him it's a part of following Jesus actually is to be filled with the spirit because otherwise there's just this empty void in our life that we will fill with wine and we will fill with sex and we will fill with games and entertainment and anything else that we can instead we need to fill that hunger and that thirst with pursuing God and his spirit so the question is can I be filled with the Holy Spirit the answer is yes But how hungry are you? That's the question I want to say back to you. How thirsty are you for more of God? How much do you want to be filled with God, the Holy Spirit? How much do you want to see people's lives changed? Because God wants to fill us with his spirit. And more than, you know, for Redeemer King, I want to kind of say this. I know that we're quite far in now. But more than us having, you know a cool worship band and nice music or cool speakers i'll say that's okay maybe well carl um or you know nice branding and people in t-shirts and you know stuff for the kids going on and doing the marathon and being involved in our town and hopefully doing international work more than all those things the most important thing is that we encounter jesus christ The most important thing is that we're living the gospel, that death to life and new life with Jesus. The rest of it, ultimately, we can take it or leave it. The most important thing has to be that lives are being changed. Our own lives are being changed, that we're meeting with God. Because otherwise, if we're not encountering him, it just can become a bit of a club. It can become a bit of a social. It can become a bit stale, a bit religious, a bit irrelevant if we're encountering the living god if we're meeting him by his spirit it changes us doesn't it? and sometimes it's uh, he fills us because he wants us to be useful in the whole of life but sometimes it's for specific occasions i remember two years ago being in east africa in tanzania or actually was in kenya at the time and we we were prayed for to be filled with the spirit and moments after that just a, a church full of uh, African people. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a, a, a pastor's conference on this occasion. It was just a normal church service. And it said something like, it starts at nine, finishes at nine. And um, you had, we just started prophesying for people as they came forward to be prayed for. You see, the Spirit of God filled us for a specific moment. Without the Spirit of God filling us, how are we going to be able to prophesy? How are we going to be able to be in tune with what God wants to say without the Spirit of God coming upon us? We're not So it can be specific moments like that, or it can be just for every day. Because let's face it, we need the spirit of God's help, don't we? We need the spirit to be able to live for him. And he's pleased when we call upon him. Because we called upon him, we said, God, we can't do this without you. You know, I used to, I don't, say more, this is a bit, oh, maybe I won't say this. Um, But I used to be uh, very, very, very nervous about preaching, to the point of that I would spend, there's a certain facility in everybody's house, that I would spend quite a bit of time on on a Sunday morning. I'm not ashamed to say that, because my body was nervous. Now I'm still a little bit nervous, and I think that's right. Because we can't do these things in our own strength. The moment we start saying, I'm confident in my ability, we've lost it. We need to be confident in God's ability. We need to be confident that despite my weaknesses, despite your weaknesses, despite our faults, God can still use us. God will still use us by his Holy Spirit. Doesn't that encourage you? That when we mess up, when we do things wrong, we can go again because God's Spirit goes with us. So we have to be hungry. That's the first thing. It's important, isn't it? You know, I remember going to uh, the Boston Lobster. It's a fantastic, fantastic restaurant because you pay like 30 bucks and you can eat as much lobster as you like. And I mean, that's fantastic. If anybody, like, I just love lobster a lot. You know, if I was going to die, if I was on death row, that would be my final meal. Lobster. And this place was all you can eat. And you know what? I have one lobster. You know what? I'm hungry for more. Why? Because it's good. Because I want more. But I come to lobster number six, and I'm starting to, because I've had crab legs, I've had some shrimps, I've had some fish, I've had chips. You know, it's not just lobster. <laughs> not just a lobster fest. It's not cruelty to animals. There's lots of other animals that are killed in the process as well, which is fine, unless you're a vegetarian, which is your choice. But I like seafood. But by lobster number six, I'm struggling to eat. You know what the good thing about the Holy Spirit is? We can al- there will always be more. We're never going to come to a point where we've been filled six times and we're not going to be satisfied anymore. Or there's, We always can be more hungry. That's what I mean this morning when I'm saying, oh, are you hungry? We can be hungrier. We can know more. We can be filled time and again and again and again because God is massive. Because God wants to bless his church. Because God wants to see as many people for Jesus as possible. So we need is power every single day. And I think there are a few things that we can do that just help position ourselves. The first one is God, I would be hungry. But there are a few things that we can do just positionally in the way that we live, in the things that we do that will just help us in terms of can I be filled with the Holy Spirit. Things that I can do that I suppose help us to be filled with the Spirit. The first one is humility. You know, we are talking about a person here is not an impersonal force. God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. He's a person who we can grieve. He's a person who we can upset, that we can cause that too. And he's a person who wants to make much of the work of Jesus. That is his primary and fundamental role, to bring glory to Jesus Christ. That's what he wants to do. He wants to point to Jesus. And he wants our lives to point to the hope we have in Jesus at every single turn. So often, we relegate the work of the Spirit to just searching for a feeling. And I think that does an injustice to the person of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can experience him and it can be a feeling that sometimes can be woozy. But that is not the sum total of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. That's not what the end game for what we should be searching for. Because actually, that can just be a self-centered thing, can't it? It's the opposite of humility. It's just thinking of ourselves. God, I really, you know, I need this for my life right now because I'm feeling so and so. So I need this feeling to know that you're out there. That's just a self-centered view in terms of being filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit wants to fill his church, wants to fill his people to be his ministers, to do his work. And you know what? He wants his people, God wants us to be looking away from ourselves and looking to Jesus. And the Spirit of God helps us do that because that's what it's for, to be used to extend his kingdom. Without the Spirit, we have power to do nothing. It's like without God's grace, we don't even take a breath. But without the Spirit of God, we have power to do nothing. You know, Demons leaving people, so deliverance, the sick being healed, prophecies, tongues, the dead being raised. Is it me or other people or human beings that do that? In one sense, yes, but it's not our power, is it? It's the power of God, the Holy Spirit, that does those incredible things today. And he wants to bless us with his spirit. So we have to be humble about that. If you've got a charismatic gift thing, amazing, use it. But it's not because we're amazing. It's because the one who's given us the gift is. We've got to be careful there sometimes. Secondly, because we've got to be hungry, we've got to pray. You know, how often do we actually pray, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit? As often as we pray, it's probably not often enough. Paul in Ephesians 5.18 says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a present imperative, which means it's an ongoing. It's not a one-time thing. He says, It's almost as if the wording is, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continue to know Jesus. Continue to know my power and my presence with you. It's an ongoing thing. So that means, in an ongoing capacity, we pray. It doesn't mean we pray once to be filled. It means every day, God, fill me your spirit. God, I want to meet you. God, I want to encounter you. God, I want to be used by you. God, I need your words in this situation. And you know what? That could be a feeling but it could be peace, it could be joy, it could be manifesting in different ways, it could be laying hands on someone and seeing them healed, it could be anything. But surely we've got to be keen to see God's light shining into the darkness. So let's not box God in as to what he can do, but be hungry and praying that he pour out his spirit upon us. And you know what else we've got to do? And this is not an optional extra. What is the name of the third person of the Trinity? It's not a trick question. What is his name? What's his first, well, it's not his first name, but how is he described? He's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. As in set apart, godly, unlike us. You know what we need to do? We need to desire holiness. We want to be filled with God the Holy Spirit. We want to be holy people. We want to be people that aren't like the rest of the world, but are like Jesus. Jesus. It will lead to us having more holy lives. You know, I want to say this as well. That as bad and as wretched and as messed up as we are, you and I were meant for greatness. We are meant for greatness. We are meant for great things. But it's in Jesus' name. We are meant for great things if we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we step out in faith. We're not meant to live miserable lives <laughs> or just lives that are always the same. We're meant to live for greatness when, when we're in the will of God. And you know what the will of God is? To fill us with his Holy Spirit. <laughs> that we would come alive. That we would have that passion and that fire deep within our soul. That the world cannot steal away from us. So we have to desire holiness. I want to say this morning that no matter what your experiences are, this is the first time you have ever heard this teaching, you are not a waste of space. You are incredibly precious, incredibly important to God. And your lives, no matter how mundane you might think they are, can have greatness by being filled with God the Holy Spirit, can have greatness by stepping in and doing His will. And we've got to have the Spirit of God take hold of us and capture our hearts in order for that to take place. You know, we've got to have a desire to do mission as well. You know, we're not filled with the Spirit just to keep it to ourselves. But it's for, it's manward in that it's for others. It's to bless. We're blessed to be a blessing. Look at Ephesians 5.19. 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. Why? In order to encourage the good, in one sense. In order to sing songs to one another. To address one another with hymns and songs and spiritual songs. In other words, be filled with the Spirit so you can spur one another on. So that you can encourage each other. So you can point each other to Jesus. So that you can pray for each other and see amazing things. So that you can work together to see God's kingdom manifest in our town. So can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, but we've got to raise the bar. Yes, we've got to want him more. And in doing that, we want to desire to be holy. We want a desire to do mission. We want to be on our knees in prayer before him. And we want to get out of the way and make much of God, don't we? Make much of his spirit. So yeah, we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now some of you this morning, a lot of what I've said have gone, well, uh, I don't know, I'm a bit suspicious about that. Let me say this, we want to pray for people this morning actually, down the side there, there'll be a few of us though, we just want to lay hands on you and pray for you, maybe for the first time or the 50th time, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we'll ask you to come down. In one sense, all of us should be coming down. (laughs) Now I'm not putting pressure on everybody to come down, but we should all, if we're Christians, have a desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Shouldn't we? and it's not that we've got magic hands and we're not here to emotionally manipulate we're not going to play emotionally manipulative music to make it into this kind of experience because you know what the holy spirit comes and he's real and it's gritty and it's messy and it's in the margins of life that's how he works he has promised to pour out his spirit upon his people and you know what god keeps his promises i break my promises you probably break your promises, but God keeps his promises. And if God says, I pour out my spirit upon his people, he's going to pour out his spirit upon his people. If only we will position ourselves to receive it. So that's what I want us to do this morning. You know, the New Testament, just to kind of wrap that up, the New Testament endorses both. It says you, are, you have the Holy Spirit when you're converted. He tells you you're a child of God, but also it encourages us to be filled with the Holy Spirit as a separate occasion. Now, we might be filled with the Spirit in the moment that we're converted. That's true. But it could also be subsequent. It could be many years after. It could be a week after. It could be years after. I don't know. But we have to position ourselves before God to receive him, to welcome him. I talked a few weeks ago about waiting on God. When we pray, so often we talk, we never listen. Part of it is, well, we wait for you to come, God. And it could be this morning that you could encounter God the Holy Spirit for the very first time. And it could be a feeling. It could be nothing. It could, you could feel peace. You might feel comforted. You might be given a verse. You might all of a sudden start speaking in tongues. I don't know. I don't want to put God in a box and say he is going to do this or he's not going to do that. But the whole Christian walk, we cannot do any of it, any of it without his Spirit. And if we want to be more like Jesus, if we want to see our town, if we want to see our friends, our families, one for Christ, it's Jesus that saves them. But we're the signposts. We're the ones that point them in the right direction. And we need the Spirit of God to do that, don't we? So uh, why don't the band come out? And uh, I'll just pray for us. And what I'm going to suggest is uh, we can worship. So, I mean, actually, you don't have to come out to the front. It's not like... You know, it has to be me or Karen or one of the other leaders of a church that prays for you. You might want to pray with a person next to you. And the prayer is really simple. It's not lots of words. It's God, we pray you'd pour out your spirit upon so and so. We pray for you to come in power now. Lay your hands on them, pray, pray a blessing on them, and wait on God. It might be nothing happens, that's okay. But it might be that God gives you peace. It might be that He gives you word. He might not, in that moment, speak anything to you. You might not feel anything. But at the very least, you've positioned yourself. You've said, God, I'm hungry. And you can go again. And you can ask again. Because God loves to bless and pour out.